are coming to the end of the studies in the book of James that we've been looking at. Different people have brought different messages uh, from this book of James. The passage I've got tonight could be a bit heavy going. I don't like heavy stuff. I don't respond to it. So I'm praying that it doesn't come over too heavy. That hopefully we could get a bit of inspiration as well. <laughs> now I'm going to read to you from James chapter 4 and into chapter 5. And I'm going to ask you, if you will ask yourself two questions as I'm reading. Does God not like forward planning? And does he not like rich people? Does God not like forward planning? And does he not like rich people? So here we go. <clears throat> James chapter 4, verse 13. James, let me, let me start, let me start before I start. James is a straightforward, finger-wagging apostle. He tells it, we would say, straight from the shoulder. He must have been northern. Straight from the shoulder. He tells it as it is. And this is what he says. Now listen, you who say... Tomorrow, uh, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is God's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who does, knows what to do good and all, and I'll start again. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Now listen. You rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. I told you it was heavy, didn't I? Because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corrupted, corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvester have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence you have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Amen. <clears throat> I hope you are blessed 
by that wonderful passage from the Bible. <clears throat> I think Jeff Lee has it in for me. <clears throat> well, I'm going to show you that it's not so desperate as all that. Is God against forward planning? We will go, we will, we will go here, we'll go there, we'll, we'll make... We'll do some business and we'll get some profit. And Is God against all that sort of stuff? And is he against rich people? Weep and howl, he said. Your money's going to corrode. It's going to turn to ashes. Well, God is not against forward planning. And God is not against riches or rich people. But what this is talking about is living a life without the inclusion of God. And this is what James is saying. He wants us to have a relationship with God that is inclusive of him and not separate from him. Now, I'm going to read for you. I, I thought about singing it, and that lasted for half a second, and then I thought, well, I'll read it to you. I am going to read to you the words of a very popular song. This song that I'm going to read to you has made a fortune for those who've recorded it. I want you to ask yourself, did the writer of this song include God in any way in his life? This is the song. And now, the end is near. And so I face the final curtain. My friends, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets? I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do. I saw it through without exemption. I planned each chartered course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this. I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all. And I stood tall and did it my way. <laughs> I've loved, laughed, and cried. I've had my fair, my share of losing. And now, as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that. And may I say, not in a shy way. Oh, no, no, not me. I did it my way. For what is a man, what he has got? If not himself, then he has naught to say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. <laughs> Frank Sinatra made a bomb out of that one, didn't he? And so did Elvis. <clears throat> I did it my way. Is your life like this man's life? I did it my way. Or is it... I did it his way, God's way. God's way is the best way. So what is 
James on about with these businessmen. <clears throat> these businessmen in the church, and if they were in the church, their attitude is wrong throughout all generations. What were they like, these businessmen? They were bragging about what they were going to do, where they were going to go, what they were going to achieve, and the money they were going to make. That's what they were bragging about. We're going we're gonna to go to that city. We're going to sell our produce. We're going we're gonna to make a fortune. Then we're going to come back. This is all that we're going to do. Now, the, the proverb says, <clears throat> do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. <clears throat> in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, there's a king called Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar was the greatest king uh, ruler that, that ever was in that era. And Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He had a couple of dreams. I'll just talk to you about this one dream. He had a dream, and it was a, a kind of a prophetic dream. I've had dreams are more pathetic than prophetic. <laughs> but this was a prophetic dream. And in his dream, which none of the other people could interpret, in his dream he saw a great tree. It was a monstrous tree with it stretching up to heaven, as things can do in dreams. Birds landed in the, rested in the, uh, in, in the branches. <clears throat> Cattle shaded under the boughs of this great tree. It was magnificent. It was, it, was, it was the largest tree in the whole world. But then a voice came from heaven and said, cut the tree down, but leave a root, leave a stump behind. Now, before Daniel interprets this dream, let me tell you about some of those kings in those days. <clears throat> if they got out of bed on the wrong side, you could lose your head. They were so temperamental. Remember the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was afraid when he entered into that king's presence because he was feeling sad. He said, I can't go into the king's presence with a downcast face. I've got to be smiley. I've got to be confident. I've got to, I, I've got to make the king feel good. So Daniel had a difficult message to tell this old king. What is the interpretation, said Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel said, O king, he said, you are that tree. You have become so great, so powerful. Your influence goes over the whole world. You are the greatest king in this world. But you are going to be cut down until you recognize that it is the most high that rules in the affairs of men. And said Daniel, now think of this to a, to, to a heathen king. This is what Daniel said, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue and prosper. And about 12 months later, 
Nebuchadnezzar is walking in his palace and uh, he's looking at all the fabulous buildings in, in that capital city. And he's looking around and he's filled with a sense of personal pride. And this is what he said to himself. Is not this great Babylon that I have built? And suddenly it happened. A voice came from heaven. And this is what the voice said at the end of 12 books. King spoke, is not this great Babylon? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. You shall be driven from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to whomever he will. <clears throat> Madness gripped this man. Now, I don't know, we have medical... King, King George, there's a film, isn't there, The Madness of King George? And it seemed that he had some disease or other. Whether God struck him with that disease or some other disease, we're not told. But Nebuchadnezzar became insane. His nails grew like claws. The hairs on his arms became like feathers. He was a raving, we would say a raving maniac. He was just incoherent. He was, he was an... He was mad, he was insane. For seven years, he was insane. And then, the Bible says that God visited him. And uh, this is his testimony, the old king. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, my sanity returned. And I praised and worshipped the Most High and honoured the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the peoples of the earth. And the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory, my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was <clears throat> restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true. And he is able to humble the proud. <clears throat> so our verse says, <clears throat> don't boast about tomorrow. Why should we not boast about tomorrow? Well, three quick things. First of all, life is complicated. And I read this little bit the other day. <clears throat> so I'll just read what I read. Think of all that is involved in life. Today, tomorrow, buying, selling, getting, gaining, losing, going here, going there. Life is made up of people and places, activities and goals, days and years. And each of us must make many crucial decisions day after day. 
Life is complicated. Apart from the will of God, life is a mystery. When you know Jesus Christ as your savior and seek to do his will, then life starts to make sense. Even the physical world around you takes a new meaning. There is a simplicity and unity to your life that makes for poise and confidence. You are no longer living in a mysterious, threatening universe. You can sing, this is my father's world. When we are including God in our lives. Life is complex and life is uncertain. Jesus told a parable about a farmer. And this farmer had a problem because he had had an absolutely bumper harvest. There was no end of all the wheat and all the corn and all the barley and all. He, just, he was just absolutely overwhelmed by it all. He thought, what am I going to do now? He says, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my old barns and I'll build greater barns. And then I'll be somewhere to store all my food. And then what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to spit. He started talking to himself. <laughs> he said, I'll say to myself, soul, you have a lot of goods laid up for many years. You have nothing to worry about. You're financially secure. You've, you've nothing to worry about. <clears throat> and then take your ease. Eat. Drink and be merry. We're going to just enjoy life. And then Jesus said, but God said, you fool, you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Now I felt for a long time that God kind of punished him for this attitude. I don't think that anymore. I think that God knew, God knows the time when we're born and the time when we die. It's frightening, isn't it? But God knows, God knows. And God knew that this guy, the clock was ticking to the final moments of this fellow's life. And all he was thinking about was number one, himself. Nobody else. He'd not, he'd not prepared for heaven. He'd not prepared for eternity. All he'd lived for was now, now, now. I want to build bigger barns. I want to get more goods. I, I want to take life easy. Well, you do not know what tomorrow holds. And then <clears throat> life is not only a certain, but life is brief. Now, some of you young people, I want to say to you something. <clears throat> I was once young. And we, I remember a little phrase when I was growing up. And it was, oh, you young people, you're on the threshold of life. I have been on the threshold of life for 50 years. <laughs> life goes by. It's very brief. We're here for 70 years. I'm overdue now, I can tell you. <laughs> 70 years, three score years and ten, and if by reason of strength they are four score years, yet is there labor and sorrow, goodness me. Life is brief. It's gone. It's here and it's gone. So, um, it is a mist. Job 
He said, my days are swifter than an, a weaver's shuttle. <clears throat> the cloud is consumed and vanishes away. Our days are just a shadow. Now my days are swifter than a post, he said. He, he said this. This is very, very depressing. Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. <laughs> he comes forth like a flower and is cut down. He flees as a shadow and continues not. <clears throat> so life is brief. So don't say we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing the other. But say, if the Lord wills, we will go. When you get saved, when you come to know Jesus, he gives you a new vocabulary. We speak the language differently. And, and, and we should say, if the Lord wills, or God willing, I, uh, I wrote, I, I, I don't know whether I wrote, oh yes, I think I did, to one brother who comes to this church, and I put DV. Now, a lot of you will probably not know what DV means. It, it's, I think it's Latin. Can you handle a bit of Latin? Two of you, yes. Dio valente, the Lord willing. And we always used to write that. I'll see you next Friday, DV, the Lord willing. God wills. So God wasn't against these businessmen. He wasn't against them making money. No, he wasn't. But he wanted to be included in their lives, just like he wants to be included in your life and mine. So, if you're a businessman, if you're an entrepreneur, if, if you're a go-getter, that's fine. But say, Lord, I want to go and I want you to be with me. I don't want to go just on my own. I don't want to do this all for just selfish reasons. I want to include you in my life and in my relationships. <laughs> you know, pray about the person you're going to marry. 40 years with the wrong woman can be a long time. <laughs> oh, the wrong man, I was going to say, you just my wife. <laughs> God is interested in everything. Now, you don't have to take this to extremes. We knew a guy, before we came to Plymouth, we knew a guy that prayed about everything. Do you know he prayed about which socks to put on? Thank goodness gracious me. I said, What? You don't have to pray about that. Just put your socks on. <laughs> I said, should I put my grey ones on and my black ones on? And there was another guy that we, we knew years ago. And uh, he lived in a place called Todmorden in, in uh, I think it's Yorkshire. Um, nice place to come from is Todmorden. And uh, his wife asked him, darling, she said, will you peg the nappies out? Because in those days, they had nappies to wrap kiddies in, you know. Would you, peg the, would you peg the nappies out on the line? And he said, well, I prayed about it. And the Lord said, yes, that's all right. I don't know if God had said no, whether he'd have been in the divorce court or not. <laughs> You don't have to pray about silly little things like that. The, the, the force of this message from James is include God in your life. Don't just be an I did it my way person. Be a person that says, I do it God's way. 
I want what you want. The, <clears throat> the flyleaf um, in the Bible of a missionary of years ago spent all her life on the mission field and written in the front of her Bible were these words, <clears throat> I want nothing for myself. How about that? I want nothing for myself. She wanted everything for God. Right, so it was these businessmen that knew God's will but chose to disobey it. <clears throat> now he goes on about these rich people. I must hurry up. <clears throat> Money talks. So he says to them, now Luke, you rich people, weep and howl for the misery that is coming upon you. Is God against wealth? Absolutely not. Paul mentioned this verse this morning, which I had already written down here. The Apostle Paul says, I know how to abound, and I know how to suffer need. Some people walk with God when they're poor and needy, and when things get great, they forget the Lord. There's a verse I've written down here, which I want to read from Deuteronomy 31. I was reading, in my daily readings, I was reading Psalm 119 for a while, sections, and in that psalm, it talks about the law of the Lord and the word of, I think there's only one verse in the whole psalm that doesn't either mention the precepts, and laws, and judgments of God, just one verse. If you can find it, I know which one it is, but I'm not telling you, you'll have to look, look it up. Uh, but he was going on about the law of the Lord, so I thought, well, I'll read about the law of the Lord, so I've been going through Deuteronomy again. And I, I, um, I came across this in chapter 32 and verse 20. Uh, yeah, here we go, somewhere. Deuteronomy 31. Goodness me, no wonder. Oh, here it is, I've underlined it with the date. This is what it says. When I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised on oath to their forefathers, listen to this, and when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me, and breaking my covenant. When they had nothing, they walked with God. But when he blessed them and gave them wealth, gave them prosperity, they abandoned God. Never abandon the Lord. And if the Lord chooses to make you a millionaire, thank God for that. Tithe to the church and remember that I told you that. <laughs> okay. Walk with God when you have little and when you have much, because it's always the wisest when you walk with the Lord. <clears throat> is God against wealth? Of course not. The proverb says there is that scatters and yet increases more than it is me. There's some withhold and it turns to poverty. And what does it say about people who bring a tenth to, to, the, uh, to the Lord? It says, 
bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me in this. If I will not open to you, listen, the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. God is not against wealth and prosperity, but he wants us to share our lives with him. Now, these people who were wealthy were wealthy on the backs of their workers. They were businessmen, they were farmers, and they had laborers, but they didn't pay their laborers the proper amount. They were holding back money from the poor. And this is what Deuteronomy says. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your countrymen or one of your aliens who is in your land or in your towns. You shall give him his wages on his day before the sun sets, for he is poor and he sets his heart on it so that he may not cry against you to the Lord and it become a sin to you. They worked every day, and they were paid daily, those people in those days. And this is what he's saying. That if, you're, if you're the manager, if you're the boss, pay your, 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 your employees each day because they look forward to it. And in Leviticus it says, you shall not oppress your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of a hired man are not to remain with you all night until morning. And then Jeremiah the prophet said, Woe to him who builds his palace by unrighteousness, his upper rooms by injustice, making his countrymen work for nothing, paying, not paying them their labor. Money talks, money has influence. And these rich, hard-hearted people were getting rich on the backs of these poor people and they were taking them to court, possibly bribing the judges and getting innocent men convicted of things of which they were not guilty. <clears throat> I had a relative who was very wealthy, but he paid his employees peanuts. Okay for him to be wealthy, not okay for anybody else. God is not against wealth, but he's against how we make it. It's not having money that's the problem, it's if money has you. And you don't have to have thousands in the bank for money to have you. <laughs> Let's recognize the fact that everything we have comes from God. So... I my little message to you tonight, I hope I've not come over too heavy, is that God wants to share life with us. Don't say, I'm, I'm going to do everything my way. Lord, now some of you young people are in a gap year. I'm in a gap year, I'm going here, I'm going there. Say, Lord, if it's your will for me to have a gap year, <laughs> or if I shall get a job, or if I should go to university, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. What's it say, the proverb? In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall bring it to pass. How does it start, that bit? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Are we going to be people who say, I did it God's way. I think God just wants to share our lives. And everything comes into perspective, doesn't it? When God's in the center of everything, our time, 
Our business, our money, everything is shared with him. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's uh, stand. Now, did we get that song? Have we, uh, I Surrender, or are we doing another one? We've got it on. Now, this song, I was discussing with uh, Ali this morning. I wish you'd ju- just end. And I know we, we don't get, we, we get a smaller number at night, don't we? <clears throat> but God is here. And I often remind myself there were just two people that walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. But I'd rather have been with those two people than with the crowds of others that were not walking with Jesus. Now, if the Lord has spoken to you tonight as he, as he has to my own heart as well, let's say, Lord, I just want to surrender to everything you want. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to stay where you want me to stay. I want to be involved with, with people that you want me to be involved with. I want to avoid all the things that are just self-centered and for, for self-promotion. I, I want to serve the Lord with all my heart.